In August 1921, while vacationing with his family in Canada on Campobello Island in the Bay of Fundy, he began to complain of stiffness and chills after a swim in the bay's frigid waters. The next day, one leg weakened, and then the other. Within three days he could not stand. He had been stricken with polio. My grandfather's political peers, Democrats and Republicans, allies and enemies alike, considered him finished, their fixed belief being that a cripple could never be elected to office. The physical tragedy seemed immutable, and the political consequences devastating. For the next six years, FDR tried, in vain, to surmount the obstacles created by paraplegia, desperately willing himself to feel the least sensation in his withered legs, just to wiggle a toe. During this period, anyone watching him couldn't help but note his enduring courage and consistently upbeat attitude. But, admired as he was, there was all too often a shade of condescension. This must have been especially hard for him to take from his political friends. My grandfather was a realist. The limitations arising from the fact of his paralysis were obvious to everyone, most of all to him. But something, I see it as just plain stubbornness, kept him from ever seeing himself as a has-been. To serve his country as president remained a private goal from which he never truly wavered. All through those discouraging years, as he strove ceaselessly, valiantly, to regain the use of his legs, he was also making what efforts he could to keep himself alive politically. To accomplish this, he enlisted the help of his wife, Eleanor Roosevelt, to carry his message. At first she hesitated, uncomfortable in front of audiences. But then she gradually came to embrace the challenge and shortly became a political figure in her own right. My grandparents, who were fifth cousins, had had their first adult encounter at a reception given at the White House in 1902 by President Theodore Roosevelt, who was my grandmother's uncle and also a fifth cousin to my grandfather. As FDR resolutely navigated the long passage of a political career that would culminate in the presidency, my grandmother went gamely along, proving to be more than equal to the challenge. Eleanor Roosevelt was also a realist. While she did not believe her husband would ever be able to return to active politics, she was determined to help him stay engaged in a world that meant so much to him, and indirectly to her. The idea of Franklin as a semi-retired invalid was impossible to countenance. Nor could my grandmother imagine herself trapped in the role of dutiful wife, living with her disabled husband and his mother on the family's country estate, Springwood at Hyde Park. Having born six children, five surviving, before the age of thirty-one, she was more than ready to move beyond the wholly domestic sphere. As a result of the hundreds of meetings Eleanor attended and the many, many speeches she gave in her husband's stead, FDR's views on important matters were out there, and with his intensive correspondence, my grandfather's name remained before the public. Her work on behalf of her disabled husband, of course, soon propelled Eleanor Roosevelt onto her own very public path. Within five years, she would become a political pro, chairwoman of the Women's Committee at the 1924 Democrats' National Convention, well before my grandfather re-entered politics. Soon, she was making more money than he was, mostly from writing magazine articles.
Undoubtedly convinced it was now or never, my grandfather agreed to join the fray in 1928, and, to everyone's surprise, including FDR, he won the governorship of New York State. That he could not walk seemed not to have bothered most voters. However, to men like the outgoing governor, Al Smith, he was still just a cripple. Recognizing this, FDR pushed aside the help Smith pressed on him, a rejection that his predecessor much resented, and entered the governor's mansion in Albany with his own agenda and his own staff. Re-elected two years later, with a substantial plurality, my grandfather had regained, amazingly, a position within shouting distance of the 1932 Democratic presidential nomination.